morning, Lighthouse. Good morning. Whew. So uh, it's rainy this morning, and I know that uh, uh, it was uh, challenging for parking this morning, but you're here. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're here, and God has a word for you today. It's titled, Dead on Arrival. Dead on Arrival. What do they say? DOA is what they say in the hospitals? DOA, right? Um, and uh, that's just when, I, I guess when, when the body gets to the hospital, a body's already, is a, a person has already passed away. And the person was dead on arrival. Um, today I want to talk about uh, a little bit about this, and we're going we're to reference this uh, further in. But uh, I want to start off with, with a question. Who, who, who are plant people here? If you're a plant person, you got a green thumb, meaning that you can touch a plant and it will come to life, right? You know, I think I do a pretty good job. You know, I, I had a plant in my house and I did so well with it that my wife told me I had to get rid of it because it completely took over, like it took over like the second, well, I, get, I did well with keeping it alive. I didn't do good with trimming it, I guess, right? I didn't do good with trimming or keeping it neat. I just wanted to see it growing. Like, I got like, come on, you know, and it, it. and it got too big. It got just too, you know, and so eventually I had to kind of get it out of the room. But, um, but uh, some people are not so gifted when it comes to plants. Some people you give a plant and in a couple days it's dead, you know, uh, I had a friend, uh, I worked with a friend that was the same way, and so uh, they gave, they gave, it was a, a co-worker, they gave her a plant, died. Another plant, died. So the joke was, let's get this co-worker a cactus. Can't kill a cactus. Yes, you can kill a cactus. You can kill a cactus. Thing is, sometimes someone who's not so good with plants takes it and says, this plant is already dead. There's nothing that I can do with this. Someone comes along and says, you know what? Here, give me that. Let me, let me see what I can do. And then person kind of just like brings this plant back to life. A plant that was dying, leaves falling off, turning brown on the ends or whatever. All of a sudden now, all of a sudden now is flourishing, full of leaves, full of life. So another example uh, Sanford and Son was before my time as well. But I, does anybody remember the show Sanford and Sons? They were famous for having like junkyards, like getting stuff, you know, and, and, and fixing it and selling it. And so that's, that's still a thing today. How many of you guys know you put a piece of furniture out on the street on trash night the night before, the next day it's not there. The trash is still there, but the furniture is not. Because there's that guy that passes by with the big old pickup truck with the sides of the pickup truck with ply, plywood, right, so that nothing can fall out. And it's packed to the top, like to the top with stuff that they find. And so what they do is they drive around. They see something that someone has said there's no hope for this. Someone had made a decision to say, you know what, this no longer has life in my home. This no longer is worth anything to me. It's dead, it's ugly, it's tore, it's, ro- it's ripped, you know, um, it's peeling, it, it looks ugly. You know what, let me just put it outside. 
someone drives by, and what they see is like, wow, look at this. Look at this. I could do wonders with this. They take it. They sand it. They stain it. They fix it. And then it ends up being sold at an antique shop for a couple thousand dollars. But you threw it out because you left it for dead. You said it was, it, it was not worth anything. It had no life left in it. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot of pitbull fighting that happens in our communities. And um, what we see as a result of these things is we see how some of these pitbulls, and if you guys follow and understand some of these, they have dogs that are not even contenders. They have dogs that they throw to the pitbull so the pitbull can get stronger. They can practice on these dogs. And so what happens is the practice dogs get mangled. They get torn. They get bitten. They, I mean, I mean to, to the point where there's almost deformalities in, in these dogs. And when they're done with these practice dogs, they usually just toss them out. Just toss them out. There's hundreds of stories of people finding these dogs. And they take them. They take them in, and, and, they, uh, and then, I mean, it has become a thing, right, where it's not just with pit bull fighting, but there's become a thing that now there's so many rescues, right? We hear it about rescues because it became something that it just continued to happen. Someone would take a dog that was mangled, that was hurt, that, was, that someone had already left for dead and says, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to treat this animal. I'm going to love this animal. I'm going to uh, 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 um, take care of him, make sure he's got his medicine, everything like that. And before you know it, the animal, uh, it, it gets stronger again. And, and sometimes, you know, they're missing limbs and things like that. But they live, you can see the, the difference in animals. You can see when an animal is happy. And you see how that life is brought back to this dog. Because someone made a decision to say, I'm not going to leave this animal for dead. It's not dead. There's still life in this. And I'm going to pour myself into this animal I'm going to pour myself into this animal so this animal could have life. There are things in our lives that uh, we too have left for dead. There are things in our lives that we too um, feel like it's too late, like there's nothing we can do about. There's no hope. Start thinking about that. Start, start going through, through, through the files in your mind. And, and what are some of the things that you've put to the side? What are some of the things that you've left on the curb? What are some of the things that you've just kind of kicked away in your mind that you've left for dead, that you feel like it's too late, you feel like there's no hope? Let's turn today to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 30, verses 38 to 44. John chapter 11 Verses 38 to 44. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him, let him go. Praise God. All right. So not everybody, not everybody knows the full story, and I just want you guys to know I want everybody to be on the same page. So this is what's going on. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's been teaching. As a matter of fact, he actually had to escape the area that he was at because they were about to come after him. But he was teaching. He was preaching. He was, he was doing his thing. And um, Mary and Martha go to where Jesus, they send a messenger, and they said, yo, tell Jesus, tell Jesus <laughs> that Lazarus is dying, that, is, that he's sick and he's dying. And, and the way they say it is, they send the messenger to say this. They say, some versions say, tell him that your friend is dying. Some say that the one that you love, your beloved, is dying. Now, you know, quick, quick side note. Why is it that people want to manipulate things sometimes, right? Why people try to, you know, come on, come on. Like, Jesus knew who Lazarus was. Why do you got to throw that in there? Like, if that's going to make a difference or that's going to change people's mind. And the funny thing is we do that too. We do that too. You know, we, we throw things in here to try to, you know, uh, manipulate the, you know, sometimes we try to manipulate God in how we come to him. Come on, God, you know. You know, the, the, here I am, the one that has, I, I've given you my Every Sunday from 10.30 to, to, to 1, I give you every Sunday morning, God. Come on, hook me up. Do something in my life. You know that when people ask me for favors, I always help them. You know, you know, when, and we go down the list of all the things that we do when we go before God, like if we're impressing him. Like if he's going to change his mind or expedite something because of what we've done right now. Anyways, that wasn't part of this. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, so he says, the one that you love, your friend is sick. So Jesus, he doesn't respond the way they thought he would. You see, they sent the message to Jesus and say, oh, your friend, the one that you love is sick. He's back at home. He's dying. You should come quick. And he says, all right. As a matter of fact, he replies to the messenger. He says, go back and tell him he's not going to die. That's, that's what, I mean, that's what Jesus says. Like, go back, just chill, relax. He'll be all right. And stays two more days where he's at. Two more days where he's at. He's actually in, in the area of uh, Perea, Perea, right? And um, many times when we call upon God, some of the things that so we're all guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. When I call upon God, like, I want it on my time. Like, right? When we, when we pray and we get on our knees and we ask God for something, it's at that time that you would love to see the response to your prayer. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? If you say, God, I got no gas. I know you look and there's gas in the car. 
God, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling too well. And at that instant, you feel at that instant. Now, can he do that? Yes. Has he done that? Yes. But it's not always like that. It's not always like that. And if we preach a gospel that says that it's always like that, it's a setup. And it's false doctrine. So listen, uh, they expected Jesus to respond in a certain way, and he didn't. He delays his trip, and there's a reason for his delay. There's a specific purpose for his delay. You know, when he finally gets there, when he finally gets there, Lazarus is dead. And he has been dead for four days. So I know the sermon title is Dead on Arrival, and it usually means that the person is dead himself when they get to the hospital. In this situation, Lazarus was dead upon the arrival of Jesus to the scene. Okay? Mary and Martha now, they tell Jesus that if you would have been here, if you only would have been here when we called you, my brother would not be dead right now. If you would have listened to me, Jesus, my brother would have not died. If you would have done it my way, Jesus. If you imagine, they must have been really emotional at the moment, you know? They must have been caught up in the emotions of their brother passing away. And I know, we, you know, when you lose someone, you can, you know, some people don't, you don't know what to expect when, you know, how they react. You can have the most loving person, and then at that moment, because of the experience and the pain and the hurt, you know, they're not going to be so loving at that moment, right? Because Mary and Martha are talking to Jesus like, if he's, a, like, like he's one of the homies on, on the block. This, this is the Messiah, Right? And they're like, you should have listened to me, Jesus. You should have done what we told you, which was to come here when we asked you to come here. Does that sound familiar? God, you should have answered my prayer when I prayed and I asked you for this. It's because of you my family is going through this. It's because of you that I didn't get that job. It's because of you. And we begin to finger point at God because he didn't answer the way that we wanted him to answer. And then now he's the bad guy. We're all guilty. There are times, even if you don't say it, you think it. Even if you don't say it, you might feel it. You know, don't, don't, come on. There's nobody here that's so holy that we don't respond like that. I see, that's why, that's why we love each other, right? Because we can be real with each other. Because we could all be real with each other, right? There's nobody fake here. We all go through stuff. We all have our ups and downs. We all have our emotions. We all have our feelings. We all get angry. We all get happy. We all get uh, joyful. We all mourn. I mean, these are things that we do as a family, right? All right. Jesus turns around. <laughs> he pretty much tells him, like, yo, Relax. Then I tell you, I am the resurrection. I, I am the resurrection and the life. Take me to him. Yo, that's, yo, they got to make movies about, they got to make like a more modern movie. But can you imagine? I mean, Jesus is like, they're over here telling him like, yo, you should have came this and that. And he looks at them. He probably had like this like OG look. It's kind of look at them like, 
He's like, listen, didn't I tell you I'm the resurrection and the life? Take me to him. Take me to him. Drop mic. <laughs> all the emotions going on. All the feelings. Verse 38. It starts with Jesus. The, fir- the very first verse that we read in this passage starts with Jesus groaning to himself. Like, it's like, it's like a deep sound of despair. Is he groaning out of despair because Lazarus is dead? Or is he groaning out of despair because these people whom he already told Lazarus would live are acting the way they're acting? I told them that he wasn't going to die. These people just don't listen. These people don't listen. They don't listen. They believe more in what they see with their own eyes than the words that I tell them. Jesus, at this moment, He's probably thinking about what God told Moses. Um, if we turn to if we turn to Numbers fourteen eleven. Turn to Numbers fourteen eleven. Numbers fourteen eleven. It says, "And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me?'" Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them. These people saw the sea parting. It parted. They walked on dry ground. God provided food for them. And the thing is, they still had trouble believing his word. Jesus, at this moment, he's saying, didn't they see all the miracles I'm doing right now? Like, I mean, the thing is, it wasn't like miracles they read about. It's miracles that was happening in front of their faces. Jesus was there. He was walking with them. He was walking with them, and he was teaching, and he was preaching. And at that moment, he's saying, they're seeing everything. They're seeing everything for themselves, for their own eyes. And yet, they don't believe. They don't believe. This is some of us today. It's so easy, and, we're, and, and it's so easy for us to believe what we see only as opposed to the Word of God. We see how society is deteriorating. We see the wickedness increasing. We see how good is bad and bad is good. We see all these things. And even though the Bible says that there's victory in Christ, some of us get depressed because we see that there's no hope. We think that there's no hope. There's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no this and there's not. And we, and we fall into deep depressions of the way that the world is. We fail to focus on the promises in his word because we're too focused seeing what's happening in front of our eyes. The word is full of promises, 
that he cannot take, he's not going to go back on his word. He won't. Jesus, he then says, take away the stone. You see, the people have left Lazarus, you know, he's, to them, he's dead. He's dead, so they've gone ahead and they've buried him. They've put him in a tomb and they've rolled the stone in front of him and they pretty much did this and now they're mourning. To them, he's dead. And he says, roll away the stone because it was blocked, that big stone. And, and the thing is, I want to say today that there are some of us that God has given us, and I say God has implanted in us ideas, visions, passions, thoughts, I, I, I dreams. There are things that God has, has implanted and given you and put in you. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, you made a decision that uh, there's, there's, there's no hope for this. I can't, I, I'll never do this. You know, I'll never succeed in this. It's just a dream. And you leave it for dead. As a matter of fact, you put it in a tomb and you roll a big stone in front of it. You're saying, that's it. I'll never, I'll never be. I'll never do. I'll never amount to. So let me just bury it and put a stone in front of it. And that stone, what it looks like in our lives, right? That stone is a big stone of doubt, a big stone of fear, a big stone of insecurities, a big stone of low, low self-esteem. Like, the, the thing is, whatever has caused you to say, I'll never, or because of this, I can't do this, well, guess what? That is the stone that you have placed in front of that tomb and buried what you feel has died. What you feel has no life, what you feel can never amount to anything. And today, I just want to remind you guys, because some of us know this, but today I want to remind you guys that nothing else can happen in your life. If you, I mean, like, if you're not willing, if you're not willing to remove the stone, if you're not willing to even acknowledge that there's a stone there, then you're going to be stuck, stuck in your place in life. I know that we can, we, there's, there's, there's an abundancy of preachers that will preach about God want, having so much more for you, right? Because that's, that's, that's easy to preach that, right? It's easy. I mean, I mean, that's almost like preaching something that's obvious. Of course God wants more for us. He wants more for us. Of course, he's, he's, he loves us. We're his creation, you know? So there's an abundancy of sermons and teachings of how much more he wants to do with your life, how much more he wants to do with your family, how much more he wants for you. Um, so we don't, have to, we don't have to even go that direction. We'll let all those positive preachers always preach that, right? Listen, but let me tell you this. But let me tell you this. If we, if the, the truth is this, he can't do those things in our lives. If we're not willing, if we aren't willing if we are not willing to move the stone. Did Jesus move the stone himself? He told them, move it. I mean, he could have done, done, he he done a bunch of stuff. He got a squad, right? Jesus got his disciples. He's got his crew. He could have been like, hey, guys, move this. No, he didn't tell his disciples to move the stone. 
He told them to move the stone. The people who put the stone there in the first place. This is something that you need to understand. There are things that you have put in there. You have, you have, you have your, allowed yourself to block certain things that God has wanted alive in your life. You put those things there. You allowed those things to hinder what God wanted to do in your life. And now God is saying, you need to be the one to move the stone. You need to be the one that says, I'm going to believe and trust in Jesus. I'm going to want, I'm going to believe and trust in his word. And guess what? I'm going to move the very thing that has hindered his promises in my life. I'm going to move the very thing that, that is causing doubt. I'm going to move. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do this. It's easy to preach what Jesus wants to do in our lives, but no one wants to hear what you got to do. You got to put some work in. You got to seek him. You got to, you got to, you got to, listen, all right. You got to be willing to be discipled. There's nobody, nobody wants to be discipled these days. Can I say that? I'm sorry. Listen, Nobody wants to be discipled these days. They want easy church. They want to hear what makes them feel good and then go away. They want to praise and sing when they feel like it so they can check it off the box. Do you know what it is to be a disciple of Christ? To be a disciple? To learn his word? To apply his word? To see in all the areas that you can serve so that others can learn as well, that you can build within yourself. You know, to be, you know being disciples means that somebody's going to tell you that you're wrong sometimes. But nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear you're wrong. Oh, Pastor, why you, you got to tell me I'm wrong? You know what? I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Because Pastor told me I was wrong for doing that. Do you want to be discipled? There's going to be plenty of times that there's times to praise. There's times to say, oh, that's an amazing thing. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so happy to see the growth of God in you. I'm so happy to, to see what God is doing in you. But there are times in order for that to continue happening that you got to tell someone, look, you're wrong. You know what? You want to be a disciple of Christ. You want to be a leader. You want to, but look, this is wrong. You can't do these things because the word of God says, because it's one thing to just say, but listen, it should be like, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, you shouldn't act like this because his word says. Look at that. His word says. Move the stone. Move the stone. No, nah, Jesus, we good. We good. Just leave it. His body stinks. He's been in there for four days. Four days. All right. This is a little nasty, but let's, let's, let's go into the, uh, a little bit of uh, what happens to the body. Right? First, without oxygen. So if the body doesn't have, uh, if the brain doesn't have oxygen for one minute, then you're already, uh, it's already dying. Like cells are already dying. So when we used to hold our breath on the water, and some of y'all got to like 50 seconds, 55 seconds. 
Y'all killing brain cells. Y'all killing brain cells. Ten minutes, if the brain is still alive after ten minutes, then guaranteed there's going to be brain damage. Brain damage. And 15 minutes without oxygen to the brain, it's impossible for survival. Now, what happens to the actual body? Well, as they say about two, between two and three days after, after death, the internal organs begin to kind of decompose and break down. Right? Okay. I'm fact-checking over here. You know, I'm fact-checking over here. Then it says between three, and, between three to five days, the body begins to bloat up and uh, liquids kind of ooze out of the body. Right? About three days. Look at that. About three days later, body swells up and liquid starts to come off out of the body. So now we have Lazarus who has been dead for four days. One thing about the human body is that the human body has always been the human body. So even if it was in Lazarus' time or in this time, the same things happen to our bodies after death. And so what happens is at this point, Lazarus has been in there four days. His body should have been all swelled and puffed up and leaking all over the place. There's no way his brain had any, I mean, it was dead. I mean, there was no way. So here we have this corpse here, completely, completely, scientifically impossible, scientifically impossible that he should still be alive. Or even if he was revived, that he could be any type of normal, like, you know what I mean? Thing is this, we tell God the same things. No, God, when God, when, when God begins to nudge at us, Hey, remember that, that vision I gave you two years ago? Remember that dream you had five years ago? Remember, remember, that, remember that, that, that passion that you once had for this? Remember? And he begins to nudge at you. He begins to remind you. He begins to say, there's something in there that I want to bring to life. I need you to move the stone. And then we begin to come up with all these excuses of why we can't move the stone. Don't you know that was 10 years ago, God? I moved on with my life. I realized it was maybe it was just not for me. And God said, but I told you it was for you. I don't care if it was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago. If I say it's for you, then it's for you. And I'm going to give you guys advice, especially, especially the, the younger generation. You will regret in the future that you didn't do it when he told you to do it. You will look back at your life and you say, man, all these years I've wasted when I should have, I could have, I could have only imagined what God would have been doing in my life if I would have just moved the stone when he told me. If I would have just uh, taken on to the vision and to the dream when he gave it to me. Can you imagine what God would have done in my life or in their life or this and that or the lives touched by, by God? We give them excuses and we say, no, it's been too long. There's no way that can ever come true. There's no way we can ever get that done. Times are different now, God. Things have changed. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants, you know, nobody wants, no one cares about this or that. We give them the excuses. John, John 11.40, John 11.40 says this. 
John 11:40 says, "Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God?" If I could sing right now, I would sing the chorus, "Show us your glory." But I don't. Because I know some of y'all know how to do screen, do a do a screen uh, uh no, no, like you copy, the, you do a video record, the screen, and then y'all cut me out singing that, and it'll be all over the place. <laughs> Show us your glory. We sang it during worship. We said, God, we want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. Show it to us. Show it to us. And in John chapter 11, verse 40, he's saying, okay, believe in me, and I will show you. My glory. Believe in me. Believe in me. How are we living? Are we living lifestyles that reflect that we believe in him? Are we doubting everything? Are we, are we lacking faith in areas? Are we, I mean, how are you living? Are you living a life that shows I believe in your word? I believe in you. When things are not so great, are you still praising him? When things seem impossible to man, do you still believe that God can do it? Do you believe? Because if you do, and if you hold on to that, he will show you his glory. He will be glorified in those circumstances. He would. But you got to believe. You got to believe. I know that... um, you know, we're all into the habit of saying, hey, um, so-and-so's in the hospital. I, I, can you please pray for them? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with asking people to pray and to join you in prayer um, for someone that's in the hospital that needs healing. But you know, you, you know what kind of like, like I, I ask you, hey, pray for them so they can get healed, but I won't believe that God can heal them? Like, I mean... Are you, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Or you're just like, well, I don't really believe, but I hope you believe. I hope you believe. At least pray for that. You know, like, no, it don't work that way. You want to see God's glory? Believe. Believe. I know we, 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 we use that example a lot because it's so common for people to be in the hospital. But then the reality is that not everybody gets better and people pass away. And so we say, man, how do we see God's glory when we pray for somebody who's in pain, who's sick, who's suffering, and then they die? How do we see God's glory in that? And I say, well, here's a simple answer. This person is now in the presence of God, pain-free. This person is pain-free. You know, you know, and so and so, and that's and, and that's the hope that we have, and that's and that's why it's so important that we continue not only to feed ourselves and be and be discipled, but that we're discipled in such a way that everyone that we come in contact with, we can't stay shut with. We can't say we can't we can't like not tell them about the good news. We can't just keep it to ourselves and our families perish. No, we share it with everyone because we hope that one day we all are once again reunited in the presence of God. Show us your glory. 
There are many times that we need to believe in him and not what we see or feel to experience the glory of God. You know, God will get the glory when he does the impossible. Because, you know, you know, there's always somebody in your life who's like, Psh, that's impossible. You always got that person. Who doesn't have something like that in your life? Let me see. Everybody got somebody in their life. You see, that was easier that way, you know, so, that, so you don't feel bad, you know, just saying. But everybody got that person in your life. You know what? I was feeling from God that, um, that maybe I should, I should tell the pastor that, you know, I, I want to help with prayer or I want to help with the, with the children's church. I want to help with, nah, you can't do that. You're not good with kids. Pray. You even know how to pray? You got that person all the time. Maybe I should tell the pastor I want to help with the worship team. I want to sing. I want to play an instrument. You're going to play an instrument, and you got that person. Listen, you never know what God is putting in you. I mean, the Holy Spirit will begin to stir something in you, and sometimes it may, may never even make sense. It may, it will, it, many times it doesn't make sense. I'm still waiting for him to make sense more often because sometimes it, it, like, it just don't make sense sometimes. <sighs> God gets the glory when there's no way and he makes a way. Amen? Amen. So they pull away the stone and Jesus, uh, he looks up to the Father in prayer. This is, this is funny because, I mean, like, the word says that he actually looks up. Like, you know how sometimes we'll just be praying when we walk in? No, he, he stopped at this second. He looked up so that everyone around him could not deny or doubt or question who he was talking to. You know? He looks up and starts talking to his father in prayer, giving us a clear example to this day of who we need to look up to. As the stone is being removed from our lives. If there's doubt in your life, if there's fear in your life, if there's things that have kept you um, bound or hindered and, and, and stopped in, in a place, then you know what? As, as we, as once you make a decision to move the stone, we look up to God the Father. And he, he will continue to provide not only uh, the... Uh, the um, he will continue to provide the, the, the encouragement in you and motivate you and also empower you with the Holy Spirit to continue to overcome those things. So they pull away the stone. And the thing is, sometimes, many times, many of us, uh, we can't move the stone because we keep looking in all the wrong places. We keep looking around to all the wrong things, to all the wrong people. Sometimes we look at logic. Well, you know, uh, just the plain, plain facts are that if this happened and this happened, so this can't happen. Logic, common sense. Next thing is scientific. Well, uh, guess what? The body was in there four days. There's just no way, scientifically speaking, that this body can come to life. Sometimes we... Look to the opinions of others. And um, 
unfortunately, I mean, or, or, or the reality is that not all of us have only Christian friends. You know, we have all sorts of friends. We have friends that are believers and we have friends that are not. And sometimes, you know, we can't even go by that. Because there are some times that we have friends that are believers that don't even speak life into us. So I can't even go in that direction. I mean, let me just say this. We have friends. I told you, I'll tell you how it is. We got friends. And sometimes our friends won't, won't speak life into you. Sometimes your friends will speak death and, and they will tear down the things that you feel or believe or are feeling. And, and, and they'll encourage you. One thing is this, and I mentioned it last week about American Idol. Listen, if you can't sing, you better, be, you better pray that you got friends that are going to tell you you can't sing. Because if not, you will be on the blooper reel for the rest of your life of people singing. Unless you're trying to get famous because you can't sing and you went to sing because that has happened too, right? better hope that you got friends that will tell you the truth, friends that love you, friends that will, that will encourage you, motivate you, and empower you with the word of God. But sometimes we look to the wrong things, and sometimes we look at our own capabilities, and we say, there's no way that God can use me for this because I can't speak well. Remember Moses? He said that. Can't use me to deliver the nation of Israel, to deliver your people. I, I, can't, even, I can't even talk right. And you want, you want to pick me? Well, guess what? He chose him, and he used him. Sometimes we limit ourselves because of our physical capabilities, our mental capabilities, of what we think we're able to do or not able to do. We, and I guess that's the thing, man. Don't you understand? Like God, he knows you can't do it because he wants to do it. You see, that's the thing. The thing is when you start saying, well, I can't, God's like, I know you can't do it. That's why I chose you. I know you can't. That's why I chose you. So when I do it, people know it wasn't you. They know it was me. He wants the glory. In his prayer, Jesus ends with that they may believe that you sent me. God, the Father, you know that I know that you know that Lazarus is going to be alive. Like we, 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 we know this. But they don't. So I'm only doing this right now so that they can see that you sent me. That you sent me. God is waiting for the opportunity in our lives to do what we and other people have deemed impossible for us to do. For him to do it so that they can see the God who sent you. That he be glorified in a powerful way. That there's no denying, there's no denying that he is truly God. When other people say, but how did he do it? Like, hey, how, how did that happen? You told me there was no way. You told me that, 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 that you, there was no way you were going to get it done. How, did you, how were you able to do it? I don't even know how it happened. Jesus just did it. Like, he, he made it happen. There's no explanation. There's no logic to it. There's no way I could even break it down. I, mean, I, could, I, could, I could tell you what happened, but it doesn't make sense. But Jesus made a way. You smile. You give them that grin. You know, people are like, because, you know, especially the ones that said it wasn't going to be able to happen, especially the ones that's like, there's no way. You kind of give them that grin like, 
Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. And did you know that your response in saying Jesus made a way is already witnessing to the unbelievers around you at that moment? People see the reality of your life. People see the areas that you're lacking. People see the areas of pain and hurt in your life. They see this. It's real. And then when they see joy, happiness, God, provision, when they see all these things, they're like, what's going on in your life? I thought, I, thought, I mean, I know what's going on, but how did this happen? Jesus made a way. And you're already witnessing to them just by your testimony. Luke 137, it reminds us, it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Listen, I know you hear people say it here and there, but it's written in his word. It's written in his word. Nothing is impossible. Lazarus, come forth. He comes out wrapped in in cloths. Dude, can you imagine the authority? Come on, man. That's why I say they need to make make a movie or something. Because it's like, like, Lazarus, come forth. I can just imagine Jesus, you know, know, pooping his chest down. I'm like, Lazarus, get out here. And Lazarus come out. You know, I, I don't know the people's reaction because, you know, I mean, we have zombie movies now. They didn't have no zombie movies back then, I don't think. Um, but the thing is, he comes out wrapped up, looking like a mummy at this moment as a response to Jesus' command. What an authority that even the dead are raised at his voice, like in his command. He says it, it happens. How much more confidently do you walk around knowing that the God that you serve says it and it happens? He has the authority and the power to do whatever he wants to do by saying it, doing it. That's the God you serve. You should be walking around confident because that's the God that you serve. He's your God. Loose him and let him go. You know, it's time to allow God to bring out all the things and passions that we've buried. It's time that we make a decision, right? It's time that we make a decision to say, you know what? He gave me this dream 10 years ago, but you know what? I'm not going to let it die because he wants to bring it to life. And so what happens is we remove the stone, but now, but now, guess what? The way Lazarus came out, he was bound because there were things that kept us bound in previous years that probably contributed to us putting away that vision. There were things that we were a part of. There were things that we, perhaps that we allowed to embrace us. You know, things that, that had so easily entangled us in the past. And God says, take it off. Loose him. He wants to bring it to life, but he needs to take off all the straps, all the entanglements, everything that is, is relative to death. It was custom to wrap the bodies and bury them. Those, those, those wraps, those cloths, they, they, they symbolized death. When, when, when we are removing the stone, 
We have to take everything off of those dreams and visions that has to pertain to death. All the negativity, all the all, all the, 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 the lack of faith, everything that perhaps just was all a part of this dying vision that we had or something. Sometimes removing cloths is removing people that are just not going to be healthy for your life. And that's always hard. It's always hard because we get so attached to people sometimes. And some people are just not healthy for you. Just not healthy. And I'm not saying you can't have unchristian, you know, non-Christian friends. I actually, I encourage, I encourage that we don't only have Christian friends. Because if you only have Christian friends, who are you witnessing to? That's all I'm saying. You should have some friends around you that don't know Jesus. And then guess what? Because of you, find Jesus. Remove all the associations of death. Take off these cloths. As if, so as if he was never dead. So when they remove everything off of him, it was like he was never dead in the first place. There are some things that we've buried, some things that we've left for dead, some things that we feel that there's no life in and we've buried it. And then God has really given that, like he's really implanted those things in us and we've left it for dead there. And um, he wants us to remove the stone. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to seek him and believe that he can restore those things to the point where it would, we would have never known it was in a cave or in a tomb for so many years. I've mentioned that ideas and thoughts and passions could have been left for dead. We talked about that being in the tomb. Some dreams, some visions, some passions. But there are some deeper issues that some of us have already decided are dead in my life. Some deeper things. One, for an example, is our hearts. Some of us have been hurt so bad, so bad, that we feel we can never love again. We feel that we'll never be able to love the same. We know uh, I can never trust somebody again because they just hurt me so bad. You feel as your heart is dead and you live day to day heartless. That's what you see people that just, sometimes you, you see that they're so cold, so emotionless. And it's easy to flag people like that and be like, yo, this person need to get out of my face before something go down. Because that's the quick response to it. But take a moment and ask yourself, and I, and, and I do this a lot. Not that there's anybody here that I need to do this with. But in my life throughout my day, there are going to be some difficult people. And when difficult people get before me, what I do is I say, God, I look at the person. I mean, I don't stare, you know, without them knowing I'm staring. I look at the circumstance. I look at the situation. I say, God, what do you see? Because I know what I see. I see somebody that wants to get pimp smacked. That's what I see. I see somebody that, that deserves to get drop kicked. That's what I see. But God, what do you see? And I sit there for a while. And I, and I, and I pray and I said, what, what do you see, God? And sometimes, sometimes God has shown me, 
I see pain. I see hurt. I see betrayal. And it goes down the list of the things that that individual has experienced. The list of things that that person has gone through. The list of things that that one person just, like, it could be one thing after another that has brought them to where they're at right now. Listen, when you begin to look at people and say, God, what do you see? God, how do you feel about this person or in this person? It's so much easier to love the difficult people that are, <laughs> the people that are difficult to love. Because you're no longer seeing them with your eyes, but you're seeing them with the eyes of Christ. One of the second things that we leave for dead is uh, our spiritual life, our relationship with God. And, and, and let me clarify some things. You know, some people say, well, I'm here in church. And yeah, some people will still go to church because it's tradition, it's routine, it's cultural. So you'll still come. You'll still watch. You know, I was lost for many years. And one thing was I never missed a Sunday. I never missed a Sunday, and I was lost, lost, so far from God. But every Sunday I was there. Some people go by the eighth or ninth church. Is it really the churches that have the problem, or it wasn't Bible study? It wasn't Bible study. Well, is it really the church that has the, uh, the problem, or is it you? By the eighth or ninth church, is it really everybody else has issues, or is it you? One thing is to be led, one thing is to be led to where God wants to use you. Because there are some people that God will choose to be part of a, fam- a church family for, for the entire season. There are some people that God chooses to be ch- a part of church families for seasons. And I have to come to, a, an, have to, come to an understanding to, to accept that. Because pastors don't want to... You don't want to accept that. You don't want people ever to leave. You want people to keep coming. But if you allow God to use you, to guide you, and there will be seasons that he will lead you to a place to use you, to mold you, a place that may need your help, a place that, will, that can benefit from your walk with God and help continue to build the kingdom. So there are seasons. There are seasons. Whatever the reason, he wants to remind you today that he loves you. And that's important, the most important thing. Can you guys stand up with me today? He wants to remind you that he loves you. Can I have the, the prayer team? Can you guys come up? One thing that I know is this. One thing I know is this, that God has definitely given each and every one of us. He's definitely given each and every one of us um, purpose. We all have purpose. We all have something inside of us that he wants to use us in. He wants to develop us in. He wants to be glorified with. And many times our own minds and our own Doubts keep us from moving forward in what God wants. Today, I want to pray. We want to pray with you. 
because there's too many stones blocking the tombs right now. There's just too many stones. I look out at you guys. I can imagine some people may be watching online. And what I see are stones. Stones that you have put there. In front of what God wants to birth in you. In front of what God wants to do with your life. You've put stones in front of it. And today is the day where you can say, it's time I move the stone away. It's time to put my fears aside, doubt aside. It's time I trust and believe so that God could show me his glory. Am I perfect? No. Do I know how I'm going to do it? No. Do I even think I could probably do it? No, but it doesn't matter because he can. We sang before the word, show me your glory. Do you guys want to truly see it? I'm going to close in prayer. But while I'm praying, I want you guys that say enough is enough. This stone has to go. I invite you to the altar as I'm praying. I see the altar is open now. I'm asking you guys to start coming down. And and don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Today, that's it. Say today is it. I'm done. Look, this this stone can't stand there any longer. It's got to go. It's got to go. And Jesus, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. It's got to go. Make a decision today. Trust today. Father God, we come before you, Lord, today. There are so many of us here, Lord, with so many stones. Father God, I looked down and I saw stones. (laughs) I see stones, God. Stones that you want them to make a decision today today and say enough, enough. He wants to bring to life things in our, in, our, in our hearts, in our spirit, Lord, that we have left for dead. Father God, right now, stir their, stir their hearts, Lord, to say that they're going to believe you, that they're going to trust you. That they may put aside, Father God, all other thoughts that are hindering them, Lord. Any circumstances that are hindering their decisions today. Today is the day. You don't have to leave here today with the stone still covering the tomb. Father God, we pray today. We pray, Father God, for the individual that has yet to receive you, Lord, as personal Lord and Savior. 
Because it's in you, Father God, that those things are revived. It's in you that there's life. It's in you that you are the resurrection. And Father God, for, for there to be resurrection in, in our lives, Lord, we need you first. So if you, if you are sitting here today and you haven't accepted Christ, it starts with that. It starts with receiving him. And if you haven't made that decision today, I invite you to the altar. And if you do come down, let them know that that's why you're there. I want to receive Christ. Father God, if you're watching online, we encourage you to reach out to us. But I want to pray with you right now. Father God, Lord, help me because I'm a sinner. And I need you, Lord, to come into my life. We believe, Father God, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross for me. And on the third day, you rose and defeated death. I give my life to you, Lord, today. My life won't be perfect. I'll still make mistakes. But I'm going to trust and believe in you and allow you to guide me to lead me in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.